Praise God. Is everyone doing well this morning? You're loving God? Are you happy today? Are you experiencing the joy of the Lord this morning? <laughs> All right. In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So the Holy Spirit has, has deposited his love into our hearts, and we believe that that love is manifested with joy, with peace, with patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're going to be addressing all these over the next several weeks. Pastor Rodney introduced the series last week entitled Peeled, What's Under Your Skin? So today we're going to continue to, to peel back and hopefully, hopefully we're going to discover some joy under our skin. Amen? Amen. Experiencing some joy and some peace and some patience and some kindness. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, it's a very interesting verse where it instructs us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Many of your Bibles use the word, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And basically what I like about this particular verse is it takes the kingdom of God and the teachings of the kingdom of God, uh, which the teaching on the fruit of the Spirit certainly are kingdom of God principles. And what this verse does is it takes kingdom principles right out of the realm of the natural. It has nothing to do about our eating and our drinking and the things in this natural world, but it has everything to do with uh, right living, living a life of goodness, a righteous life, and a life of uh, peace, and a life of joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we want to continue to focus on the reality of all that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us at Calvary's cross. As you are well aware of that in our world around us, and many times even tries to come in on us as, as, as Christians, is that there's more and more sorrow and pain and confusion being manifested in this world. But the kingdom of God has always and will always be a kingdom of right living, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of peace, and a kingdom of joy in the Holy Spirit. From a, there's a, a survey was conducted between, uh, four times it was conducted between the years of 1981 and the year 2004. This is by Real World Values. And they surveyed 270,000 people from six different continents, representing approximately 80% of the world's population. And the question of the survey went like this, how happy and satisfied with life people reported being? How happy and satisfied are you with life? 270,000 people, six continents. It was conducted four times between the years of 80, uh, 1981 and the year 2004. How happy and satisfied. Where do you think United States of America came in at? With all the material wealth and things that we have. Number 16. Number 16, and the winner, Nigeria, number one, yay! <laughs> to our Nigerian friends, praise God. So, 
We need to recognize that uh, we have a lot of work to do and, and God is doing a work in us. I had uh, read some years ago that one of, uh, Mother Teresa uh, had uh, made a visit to North America and while she was here, she had observed, uh, she, she uh, uh, said that she had never seen such an abundance of material wealth, but she had also never seen such poverty of spirit and loneliness. Never seen such an abundance of material wealth, but at the same time, it's never seen such a poverty of spirit and of loneliness. So there is a huge gap between our culture's monetary wealth and the true wealth of joy and well-being that's available to us as citizens of God's kingdom, which is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and what? It's joy. I'm so glad you got that this morning. <laughs> it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. It's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. We're getting there. We are getting there. So how are we going to get there? Well, first and foremost, you need to recognize that the solution to our joy deficit is not another vacation. <laughs> it's not another vacation. That can, you know, that can be joyful, and that, that's all good, and it's, it's highly recommended. But that's not the solution to the deficit of joy. Nor is it another shopping spree. Nor is it taking a nice long afternoon nap. You can enjoy every one of those as, as, as you please, but that's not the solution to the joy deficit that we are experiencing as a culture, and especially here in America, where we are so uh, abundantly uh, blessed with, with the resources that we have at our disposal. So the solution to the deficit, to our deficit of joy, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. When, when Jesus was born, a lot of activity was taking place around Jesus' birth, but one of the activities that take, that's taken place, and it's stated in Luke chapter 2, is that the angel appeared to the shepherds as they were out in the field and announced the good news to the shepherds that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born. And in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, the angel appeared to the shepherds, and, and they were terrified when the angels appeared, but they immediately spoke, the angel immediately spoke to the shepherds that don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Everyone say good news. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So the angel's word to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news. I'm bringing you the gospel. I'm bringing you good news that will result in great joy to all people. Great joy to all people. Now, the gospel we believe is good news. We know it to be good news, and we believe that to be true, that it's good news. The problem, however, is, is that we often do not communicate it as good news. That brings great joy. It's communicated as judgmental. It's communicated as, as sad or whatever other negative ways it may be communicated. But in reality, the angel told the shepherds, I'm bringing you good news that will bring great joy to all people, to all people. 
all inclusive. And it's bring, the result of the gospel should always be bringing great joy to all people. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus introduced himself about his ministry, he made a very similar statement. He said, the spirit of the Lord, in Luke 4, 18, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, what's good news to the poor? Good news to the poor. Well, if you're poor and you receive good news, it means you don't need to be poor no more, whether it be in spirit or whatever uh, realm that it's, it's ministering to you on. Then he went on, he said, and he sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That's good news when you're being held captive and you're going to be released. That the blind will see, that's good news. And the oppressed will be set free, that's good news. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. It's all good news, and it should all bring great joy to all people. In the Gospel of John, Jesus, we have recorded uh, several recordings of uh, some statements that Jesus made concerning the joy of the Lord. So I want to give these verses to you, and I want you to, to make note of them from, from a foundation, foundational standpoint. The first one is uh, in John chapter 15, verse 9 through 11. And these are statements from Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandment and remain in his love. Uh, we started the series last week and Pastor Roddy talked about the love of God and the importance of obeying the Father's commandment is to love the Father. The Father loves us and we love him. He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So the things that Jesus told us concerning the commandments, concerning that, the, 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 that God loves us and that we are to obey his commandments, we are to remain in the Father's love, we are to love God and we're to love people, we're to, to keep ourselves in that love. And the result of it is, is that we would be, that we would be filled with his joy. And then he made the statement, yes, your joy will overflow. Your joy will overflow. That's good news. Then the very next chapter, uh, chapter 16 and verse 24 is, a, is a, another statement that Jesus made. And it's a very powerful statement concerning our prayers and our prayers being answered. Um, matter of fact, let me begin reading at verse 23. It says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your re request because you use my name. That verse in itself is worth your meditation. Then verse 24 says, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have just a little bit of joy. Just a little bit of joy. Now, how much joy will you have? An abundant joy. So Jesus has stated here says in, in, verse, in chapter 15, your joy will overflow. Then in chapter 16, he says you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Abundant. Everyone say abundant joy. Abundant. Praise God. So we're going to peel some things away this morning so that we can uh, discover the real 
abundant joy that has been made available to us so that the joy of the Lord can, can uh, begin to flow like it has been intended to flow when God redeemed us, when he deposited his love within our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We have the love of God within us. That's a fact. That's a biblical, that's a gospel truth is that God's love has been deposited into your heart by the Holy Spirit. And since his love has been deposited into your heart by the Holy Spirit, the attributes of love are also in your heart, and those attributes being joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, et cetera, et cetera. They're all in us. They're in us in seed form. But we have the, we have the joy, we have the peace, we have, we have the faithfulness within us. And so we, need to, we want to be peeling things away so that we can allow the joy to be developed and allow joy to be de- uh, expressed in our lives. So one of the things I want to just do to, uh, that I think will be beneficial in, in, in uh, peeling away, the, I call them joy killers, Joy killers. There's a lot of things out there that want to, you know, kill joy. But so what we recognize, number one, I recommend that you begin peeling away any religious legalism that has gripped your mind, that you have may been indoctrinated with, and that is just wringing the joy out of your, out of your life. Religion, Religious legalism has a way of just wringing the joy right out of life. When we read the Gospels, you just, a, just a few of the verses I shared with you already this morning, and there's so many more. There's, it's all through the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament, about the joy of the Lord being our strength. And the Psalms talk extensively about the joy of the Lord and, and, and being joyful and being mindful of the goodness of God and celebrating and, and so forth. But uh, many times we, uh, we come together as the Christian church, and we are exhibiting everything except joy. Sometimes we can be the saddest, meanest people on planet Earth rather than the happiest and the kindest and the most loving people. And religion has never meant to be that way. And legalism has, has come in and it just tries to just tries to, you know, just to keep pressing its thumb on us and try to suppress any type of joy that we have in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And that we need to have the freedom to enjoy the things that God has graced us with. That God has graced us with. I shared this story before, it just came to my mind again, so I just want to share it uh, briefly, but it's uh, almost three years ago, I had been uh, blessed with a really nice, almost brand new BMW. And I'll be honest with you, I, had, I was elated to receive it, but I also struggled in thinking, what are people going to think? What are people going to think? And I shared the story how I was meeting someone new at the church, and I was meeting them for lunch, and I parked the car, you know, my nice, shiny, white BMW. I parked it around the back so this person wouldn't see it because I didn't want this person to know what I'm driving because this person doesn't know me, and he's just getting to know me, and I didn't want to make a bad impression. How can a brand-new car that God has blessed you with be a bad impression? That should be a really good impression, should it not? Amen. It should be a good impression, but that's religious thinking. I was thinking, well, I don't want to make a wrong impression up front. But anyway, left the restaurant and watched him get in his car, and he had a BMW. (laughs) The lesson was, I heard the Holy Spirit 
just speaking to me, saying, it's okay, Ray. Enjoy it. It's okay. Enjoy it. Everyone say, it's okay. Enjoy it. Whatever that it may be for you. Just enjoy it. God gives us good things to enjoy. He has blessed us richly, abundantly with good things to enjoy. The blessings of the Lord. So we want to continue to uh, peel away any legalistic mindsets and attitudes that would hinder us from freely enjoying the things that God wants us to have. So make sure that you get rid of any religious thinking, any legalistic thinking that it's not biblical. You might think it's biblical, but open your heart up to the Holy Spirit and let the grace of God just really set you free. And and just, you know, we don't have time to really define all the, what, what is religious legalism. I think most of you probably know what it is and you probably know when you're experiencing it is when you're really, really like irritated and miserable. It's probably, okay, I'm, I'm thinking wrong. Number two, joy killer that you want to peel away is comparison. Comparing yourself with other people. It's not wise. I mean, you talk about just, just taking the wind right out of your sails, taking the, you talk about de- depleting your joy, just begin comparing yourself with other people. Yes, I've received that nice, almost brand new BMW, but you know what? There's a model that's bigger and more expensive than mine. I'm driving along, I've come up alongside another one thinking, hmm, hmm, hmm. That's a stop it, stop it. Just enjoy what you have. Just enjoy what you have. And we can, we can pride ourselves. I remember when we first started going online back, back last year when, when the service, we weren't having uh, in-person services. And I remember that very first service we had, I got a call from one of the staff people and, and she was just excited and saying, we already have 300 people online watching. I'm thinking 300, wow, that's wonderful. That's great, you know, I'm famous, I'm popular. And then I go on Elevation Worship and there's three million people watching. I'm thinking, why are we even doing this? Why are we even doing it? You talk about you know, joy killers, but that's not the point. God has us here, Grace Church here, doing what we're doing, and thank God for Elevation and what they're doing, and thank God for other ministries and what they're doing. We must stop comparing ourselves among ourselves, and we must learn to to stay in our own lane, to run our own race, and not be comparing ourselves, because when we start comparing ourselves, two things are going to happen. You're going to be what appears to be better than someone else, and you're going to become prideful, or you're going to think, I'm less than someone else, and you're going to become judgmental of that other person. So comparison is never good. Stop comparing yourself among yourselves. Just focus on, God, what do you have for me to do? Let me do it and let me enjoy the process. Number three, joy killer that you want to peel away is, a, is this is an attitude. And the attitude is, a, is, a, is called an if only, an if only mentality. And uh, you can be cured of this if only mentality. There's a cure for it. The if only mentality goes something like this. If only I had more, you fill in the blank. Has anyone ever been afflicted by if I only had more? Huh? If I only had more? Yeah. 
one of the common ones, if I only had more friends, if I only had more money, if I only had more of this and only had a bigger home or only had a bigger car or only had, a, uh, you know, just more, 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 more. But, uh, you know, that's the mentality and, and it's, uh, it, it's, it will rob you of your joy. The joy of the Lord that we're talking about, it has nothing to do with where you're at in life. Just begin to enjoy life where you're at. Enjoy what you have. Learn to steward well that which God has given to you and, and learn to celebrate it. And God will always be with you and he will be faithful to you. Amen. So learn to receive what God has for you and learn to express it and learn to enjoy it to the full. I love the statements about Jesus again, filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You will receive and, that, and you will have abundant joy, abundant joy related to our relationship with Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says that uh, Jesus endured the cross because of the joy awaiting him. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. The most challenging aspect of Jesus' mission of coming from heaven to earth was to go to the cross, to give up his life at the cross to shed his blood so that we could apply the shed blood of Jesus to our lives, but to go to the cross and what, what enabled him to stay true to the mission that the Father had sent him on was the joy that was set before him. And that joy that was set before him was to see you here this morning worshiping him celebrating the shed blood of Jesus Christ, worshiping and honoring him and thanking him for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, thanking him for the redemptive work at Calvary's cross, all inclusive, everything he's done for us. But Jesus was able to endure that judgment. He was able to endure the flogging and the whipping and, and, and the piercings and, 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 and being crucified on Calvary's cross. He was able to be obedient even to the point of death because of the joy of seeing you whenever it was in your, in your walk with God, whenever that moment was when you open up your heart and you say, yes, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus seeing that, looking down through the quarter of time, he, could, he, he, he saw that moment in time where you were going to respond and surrender your life to him, and you were going to become a new person, a new creation in Christ Jesus. It was that joy that enabled him to endure the cross. Real quickly, in Luke chapter 15, it's the story of the, of the most people know it as the story of the prodigal son, but there's three parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And the parables in there talk about the lost sheep. He left the 99 and went out and found the one, came back, and there was great joy. And it stated there that there's more joy in heaven over one that was lost and is found again than there are over the 99 that never were lost and, and, and stayed true to their stay true to their calling. Then there's the lost coin. There was some rejoicing over that one lost coin that was found and said there's more joy in heaven among the angels over that one coin that was found, more joy in heaven over that which was lost and was found than the story of the lost son. It's the story of the, the, the rebellious son that, that, that blew his inheritance. And then the older son that was, that was the, he, he was the good boy. He didn't blow anything except his attitude. But the main point of the story 
of the parable there is, is the father's heart. And we say the father's heart. The father's heart rejoiced when the sheep that was lost was found. The father's heart rejoiced when the coin that was lost was found. And the father's heart rejoiced over the son that was lost and now is found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And then he's made this statement towards the end of the chapter in Luke chapter 15. He said, it was right. And we say, it's right. He said, it was right that we make merry and be glad. It is right to learn to be joyful and to express the joy of the Lord. Now, I'm talking to myself as much as anyone because I have two, I have two strikes against me. Number one is my, my personality. I'm pretty flatline. And that's good when things are tough because I'm not going to go down. But when things are really good, I need to give myself permission to go up there and say, hey, praise God, that's wonderful, instead of, oh, that was nice. That was nice. Hmm. So I have my personality number two, the culture that I grew up in. The culture that I grew up in did not celebrate celebrating. I got my ears pulled on my birthday and a, cho and a chocolate cake with peanut butter icing. That's the part I really liked. But that whole tradition of pulling your ears, you know, one, two, three, four. <laughs> so the... I'm okay, I'm healed now, right? Don't be feeling... <laughs> I feel so much better now that I never had a birthday celebrated. Well, I did, but I didn't. It was celebrated to the, in the context of how they celebrated. So I never really recognized that until, you know, found out, okay, there are some more exuberant ways to celebrate things than what, what I have been experiencing. So I, those two strikes against me. So for me, for me to learn to celebrate and to be joyful and, 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 and to go ahead and have a good time to go ahead and have a good time. In that story in Luke chapter five, you'll also find that before the older brother came in, when he came in towards the house, he heard, he heard music. He was outside in the fields and he heard music, so it was loud. And there was dancing. Uh, loud music, nope. Dancing, no way. But it's biblical to be joyful, to enjoy music. And you can pump up the volume if you want to. If you don't want to, that's fine too. That's biblical also. There's meditative time. There's reflective time. There's quiet time. But every one of it's right. So celebrate what, what is joyful and celebrate learning to celebrate the occasion. So learn to celebrate and learn to enjoy the joy of the Lord and peel back any and all things that are hindering you from enjoying the goodness of God. It brings God great joy to see people surrendering their hearts to him. So if you're here this morning, say, Pastor Ray, I, I'm here, but I've never surrendered my life to him. Perhaps you're watching online from your Cypress Sanctuary, wherever you may be, and uh, you say, well, I, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus, and, and uh, I've never made that commitment to invite him to come into my life, and, and that would be cause for celebration in the heavens that, you know, my, I'm forgiven. So we want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. We're going to pray together here in the sanctuary. 
Uh, you can pray together with us uh, wherever you are watching from online. If you're here in the sanctuary, we want you to let us know that, that you've made this commitment for your first time. We want to invite you to stop by our Connect Center over here to uh, my left at the back of the sanctuary. Stop by there and let one of our leaders know here at the church. We want to celebrate together with you. And we also have a, a, a book we want to gift you with that will help you in, in walking forward in the joy of the Lord from this moment on. So let's just take a moment. Why don't you stand up and let's pray together. And if you never prayed this prayer before and you're praying it for the first time today, I want you to know that this great celebration is taking place and, and uh, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. So let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me as I am. You loved me enough to send Jesus Christ to Calvary's cross. He shed his blood. He died and was buried. But on the third day, he was raised from the dead. I believe that to be true with all my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Come into my life, restore my life, make me brand new in the name of Jesus, name above all names, all my sin is forgiven, and there's great rejoicing in heaven, even now, as I've made this decision. Thank you, Father. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. All right. We love you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Remember, if you're a first-time guest or you prayed this prayer with us or any other connections you want to make, stop by our Connection Center. Pastor Rodney and some others are back there and want to say hi. It'll only keep you a few minutes, we promise, and we'll send you on your way. So enjoy your day. Be joyful and celebrate. Find something to celebrate to be joyful about. Amen. Praise God. God bless you.